From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Divine Provision. The text is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Clothes are expensive, and poor believers may be led into anxiety as to where their next suit will come from. The souls are thin. How shall we get new shoes? See how our thoughtful Lord has provided against this care. Our Heavenly Father clothes the grass of the field with a splendor such as Solomon could not equal. Will He not clothe His own children? We are sure He will. There may be many a patch and a darn, but raiment we shall have. A poor minister found his clothes nearly threadbare and so far gone that they would hardly hold together. But as a servant of the Lord, he expected his master to find him his livery. It so happened that the writer on a visit to a friend had the loan of the good man's pulpit, and it came into his mind to make a collection for him, and there was his suit. Many other cases we have seen in which those who have served the Lord have found him considerate of their wardrobe. He who made man so that when he had sinned he needed garments— also in mercy supplied him with them. And those which the Lord gave to our first parents were far better than those they made for themselves.
Down through the centuries there have been remarkable visitations of God, during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards, were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity and ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of what happened during those revival times on the Isle of Lewis, including Duncan Campbell's own account of that, as well as personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. To obtain your own copies of what happened at that time, just request the CDs of the Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. 
you may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or if you wish, you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work. This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series in the person and work of the Holy Spirit as he brings the next portion of a message entitled, The Spirit of Revival. God has promised the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to the Church of Jesus Christ. Yet, there are times when these blessings seem to be absent from the Church's experience. In the course of this message, Dr. Cairns is explaining from Scripture why this happens and what to do about it. The first thing we see is that seasons of declension in the church are never because of any failure on God's part. The blame lies with God's people and their failure to confess sin and weep for spiritual dearth. Then, such seasons of spiritual powerlessness stem directly from a lack of experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message called The Spirit of Revival. We were reading in the 32nd chapter of Isaiah of the blight that lay upon the land. You know, when you look at this spiritually, you think you could be describing America today. You could be describing Great Britain or any of the once great centers of gospel preaching. Upon the land, there are now coming up thorns and briars. Those are always the mark of the curse of sin. Uh, We read that upon all the houses of joy uh, and in the joyous city, these thorns and briars are coming up. Now you think of that. 
You think of churches across England, and you'll find many of these in New England as well. So the Atlantic obviously hasn't made any difference to it. But you think of houses that once were filled with weeping souls seeking Christ, where once hundreds and thousands gathered under the preaching of the Word of God, and today they're either boarded up or they're sold off as warehouses or some other or for some other carnal means. What's the reason the thorns and the briars are coming up in what were the houses of joy and the joyous cities? The palaces are forsaken, the multitude of the city left, the forts and towers are dens forever, the defenses are gone, the wild animals, as it were, are free to roam. And the reason they will do this until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. Isaiah 32 and 15 is a text of Scripture that should be emphasized in every Christian's Bible. It should be much of his heart as he gets before God in prayer. It should be a verse that is never far from your mind as you're pleading with God. This situation will persist until when? Until we get a bigger congregation. No, sir. Until we become a richer congregation. Until we can afford to flood the country with radio and television programs about the gospel. No, sir. All those things may indeed be useful to God. But this awful situation will persist until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. Once the Holy Ghost is poured forth, thank God the dirt is dispelled. There's no substitute for an outpouring of God the Holy Spirit. I was reading uh, C.H. Spurgeon's comments on this subject. They said this. I thought it was a very insightful statement from a man who had preached his way through a great revival period. And uh, indeed, whose entire ministry, you would say, was lived in the fire of revival. I suppose there was never a week in Spurgeon's ministry, unless it would have been the couple of weeks after the great fire in his first service in Surrey Gardens, or, or the great cry of fire, for there was no fire in the Surrey Gardens Music Hall when he was just uh, knocked out for a couple of weeks. But uh, I suppose there wasn't a week other than that that people were not coming to Christ, that there wasn't a tremendous move of the Holy Ghost. Here's a man who for his entire London ministry preached not to hundreds, but to thousands, six, ten thousand people, every service. Great things were done. And this is what he says. Whenever the church declines, one of the most effectual ways of reviving her is to preach much on the Holy Spirit. After all, He is the breath of the church. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is power. What a statement. You see why I lament and have done so again and again through these studies? 
that since we started studying the person and work of the Holy Spirit, I have had more Christians come and say, I've been saved for years, some of them many years. And they're confessing this is the first time that any preacher has ever taken time to go into what the Bible teaches concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. What a tragedy. Here's the greatest English preacher possibly of all time, certainly the greatest English pastor in modern times. The greatest soul winner. And yet, he can say, if we're going to have revival, we must have an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. He's the breath of the church. But in our day, we have seminars on methods. We have books on psychology. We have everything dreamed up in order to pump people up. And all the time, what we need is the power to pray God down in the person of the Holy Ghost upon His church. There is no substitute for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. If you read the experience of eminent saints in revival, you will discover that though the revivals obviously took place at different times in history, and under different political and social circumstances, and though there were many points of divergence as to their conduct, etc., yet they have certain things in common. If you look at the men who were involved in revival, always, without exception, their hearts were ravished as God the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to them in all the glorious reality of His person. And they were overwhelmed as Christ was made real and personal and sweet to their souls. It wasn't just that they believed the doctrine of the deity of Christ. It wasn't merely that they believed in the blood atonement. It wasn't merely that they would say yes to his current intercession. They believed those things. Naturally, you couldn't be saved without believing them. But suddenly these things gripped their heart. Suddenly Christ was not a doctrine, but he was a living Savior. Suddenly their hearts were overflowing with Christ's love to them. And their reciprocating love to Christ. That was always the case. And along with that mighty, overwhelming, ravishing experience of Christ. And you'll notice I say an experience of Christ, not of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I know they experienced the Holy Ghost, but any experience that pretends to be an experience of the Holy Ghost that does not lead a man to Christ is not an experience of God's Spirit, but of another Spirit. For we have seen again and again that the work of the Spirit is to lead men to Jesus. But along with that, there was another matter. Always as the Holy Spirit came upon them, a fire was kindled in their heart. A fire of holiness. It's the first thing. A fire of holiness. 
We have much pretended and professed revival today. It doesn't take you to be a theologian to see your way through all the arguments. I confess that if you were to sit down and listen uh, to all the conflicting charismatic claims of the day, your mind would soon be in a turmoil. But I tell you this, there's a very simple way to find out whether a movement is a movement of the reviving power of the Spirit of God or no. Revival always produces deep holiness. There is a fire of holiness. Our God is a consuming fire. And people in revival will have the burning, blazing purity of holiness stamped upon them. There's also a fire of love, a love for Christ, a love for the means of grace. In revival, it's not hard to get people out to hear the Word of God. In revival, you'll not get people moaning that the preacher preached too long. They moaned that he didn't preach long enough. And I tell you, if I was the preacher, that would certainly strain credulity. But still... That's the way it is. In revival, it's not hard to get them to the prayer meeting. In revival, it's not hard to get them to pray in a prayer meeting. In revival, the only difficulty is to stop the prayer meeting. Oh, there's a fire of love. A love for the means of grace. A spiritual love. Well, people still have to eat. They still have to drink. They still have to clothe their family. They still have a job to do. In the Isle of Lewis, they said in the revival that they got more work done, but they got it done in a lot less time because the people were not given to materialism and then adding on the church and its services to that. They were given to the Lord and they just did what they had to do to be good employers or good employees, as the case may be. But they had a love for the, the things of God. That, of course, is a love for souls. There's a love for the perishing. There's a melting of the heart. You know, I feel and fear that if there's one thing missing among God's people today, it's a love for souls. We can watch as sinners go to hell, and it never touches our heart. Once the Holy Ghost comes, that changes. I tell you, it's because of a lack of the experience of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts that we can have such an attitude. And of course then there's a fire of boldness. With holiness and love there will come boldness. In Acts chapter 4 when the uh, people of God were wanting the fullness of the Spirit what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. I'm not talking about a brass neck. There are some tactless people who imagine that their impolite uh, attitude and uh, tactics 
amount to boldness, all they amount to so often is foolhardiness. I'm not talking either about the kind of notion that says to you, well, I have to witness to ten people this week, and therefore by hook or by crook I'm going to do it. And so, just to rid your conscience of guilt, now you get through your little spiel. I'm talking about a people who are so made like Christ in holiness, who are so made like Christ in love, whose hearts are so thrilled with what they have of Christ, and they are so stamped with what they see of eternity, that they have a boldness to speak for Him, and they fear neither man, woman, nor devil in the cause of Jesus Christ. That is always the case when there is an experience of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. But sadly, we have too much of a religion of the head, of the mouth, and of the hand, but very little of the heart. A religion that can think its way through the deep conundrums of theological questions. A religion that can profess great things has all the vocabulary but none of the vitality. A religion of the hand that has the mechanical doing but without the heartbeat of a powerful manifestation of the Spirit of God. Isaiah says, there can be no bettering of the situation spiritually until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. Declension will dominate until we experience the outpouring of the Spirit of God. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 